Hi, everyone. Welcome to the Actress Die podcast. Today, my guest is Kristen Guy. Kristen and I met years and years ago via our friend Nastasia Johnson, also a past podcast guest, over pastries with a bunch of other bloggers. But I feel like Kristen is so much more than just a blogger, even though she has a gorgeous Silver Award nominated site, DineXDesign.com. She is a food and lifestyle consultant who has worked with HGTV, Refinery29, Better Homes and Gardens, and her work is impeccable, and I thought she'd be a good guest, and I was right. So sit back and enjoy my interview with Kristen Guy. Well, you and I have only really met in person twice, or three times at the most, and the, when we first met, it was back in 2012, and you were the Cuisin Nerd. Is that how you said it? That was. I was the Cuisin Nerd. You were the Cuisin Nerd, and since you have rebranded, and you are no longer the Cuisin Nerd, so if I was to meet you at, um, well, we were met at a bakery, so let's say we met at a bakery today, <laughs> uh-huh. how would you introduce yourself? You know, it's so funny because I go back and forth. I do so much consulting work that I usually introduce myself as Kristen Guy, but I do have a website called Dime by Design, um, which is where I experiment and play on the internet. <laughs> so... Dine by Design, which is Dine X Design, if people want to look that up, DineXDesign.com. Yep. Um, I actually went down a little Pinterest hole this morning. I went down <laughs> to your Pinterest page because yeah. I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna move upstairs and switch apartments with my upstairs neighbor later on this year, and I'm just getting all of these ideas. And your site obviously is like a treasure trove of places, but I got went right into your kitchen and dining room design board. And I've been like clicking away. Yeah, yeah um, it's kind of an obsession of mine. <laughs> <laughs> it's just such a it's such a great resource for me right now. So I'm really grateful for it. But I'm wondering, um, since you do have such an eye for design, are people always like just picking your brain? Yeah, and it's funny too because I'm I'm currently in the housing market trying to buy a house here in Los Angeles, which is a whole depressing other story these days. And um, a lot of people are like, I cannot imagine what your kitchen looks like. And I, and I have to tell them, I'm like, have you ever seen a photo of my kitchen on Instagram? They're like, no, that's, that's actually very strange. I'm like, that's because I'm a renter right now. And I have a 1940s house with a, you know, galley kitchen with no light and no one needs to see it. But yeah, I mean, I am always looking for new design trends, new um, materials, and I'm just kind of obsessed now because I know I'm probably going to buy a house where I'm going to have to demo the kitchen and do it the way I want to. So yeah, my Pinterest has become my haven for uh, saving tile ideas, saving uh, open kitchen floor plan ideas. So yeah, it's it's a little bit of a sickness right now because I'm especially obsessed with with my own pursuit. <laughs> yeah. Well, speaking of renting and for people who have spaces, like let's say a kitchen space in particular, mm-hmm. um, that they're really not feeling so hot about, I would assume because you have such a great series about, you know, um, types of plates to use and um, different different cutlery and um, accessories for the kitchen. Where What are some of your go-to places to sort of liven up that space if you aren't allowed to do a demo? Yeah, no. Um, I'm really into quality pieces right now. I'm really paring down my kitchen uh, in, in terms of like what type of glassware, what type of dishes I use on a regular basis. Obviously, I have an entire studio with a prop closet that I use for my shoots, but if I were to say places and good resources, um, 
you know, everyday staples. If you have the budget to get a couple pieces from, say, a Heath ceramic or a Bauer pottery, um, really investing in some good California or um, I also love Japanese ceramics. Uh, there's a couple um, shops online. One is Made in Japan. Um, another is Muji, uh, which oh, is yeah. great. They're great. They're just simple staples, but when you start pairing them up with other things, they just really look dynamic, and they're not going to break the bank. So I'm all about trying to find those unique pieces, um, everlasting pieces as well. Um, going back to when you're shopping online, how do you know if a piece is quality or not? Research. I mean, I've done a lot of research in terms of, you know, if you if you go through, of course, you're never going to know if you're going through an Etsy. Etsy is a, a treasure trove of finding up and coming talent, but you never really know what it's going to look like in person. So if you're going to look to invest in something, I'd go with the tried and true uh, ceramic companies that have been around since the 40s, the 20s, um, which are sprinkled all around. There's some in the Midwest, there's some um, here in California, which I'm happy to provide a little list for anyone listening that's interested of some of my favorites. Um, but yeah, it's a lot of research. I mean, there's a lot of ceramists out there and there's a lot of really great new talent out there. Um, one of my favorites is Fracture Goods. He's based in the Midwest. He makes some really beautiful pieces. He also does a lot of carved wood pieces as well as he's getting into um, making some brass pieces, mixed material pieces like measuring spoons, which are just gorgeous. Oh, Ooh, a brass measuring spoon. Mm -hmm. I kind of like the sound of that. That would actually yeah. make me want to bake. No, I mean, I, I really am a firm believer that um, if you surround yourself with pieces that you love and that you want to use, you're you're going to actually be more active as an entertainer, as you know, as someone who wants to play around in the kitchen. I mean, one of my favorite things to do is uh, happy hour with my husband on the weekend, and I'll just get out some little um, plates. I'll make some little dishes for us, and I actually like kind of thematically set our little. And we sit on a stoop. It's not like this this grand dining room happy hour experience. We literally sit on our front stoop in our front house. And I just make a little board of, you know, bruschetta or, you know, little one bite pieces. But it's like, a, it's really fun to play when you have some like special pieces that you want to share with people. I love that. Is that what you, you sent me a photo of like these little itty bitty wraps? Is that, <laughs> was that a happy hour recipe? That was a spring garden party recipe. That's actually, um, I had a great partnership uh, with a client, uh, Flatbread, Flat Out Flatbread. Oh, I know and, them, yeah. Yeah, they're really great, and they make great quality products. And so uh, basically I threw a spring garden party that could be done on the fly, on the cheap, high style, and, you know, depending, you know, everywhere in the world right now has different weather. I mean, spring has been crazy, especially this last week across America. I mean, I, there was snow in Colorado and in the Midwest, so... The idea was, yes, we're celebrating spring, but this is like a garden party you could actually throw indoors if you had to. That's, like, that's <laughs> my kind of garden party because I'm allergic to bees. There you go. I'm like really lame when it comes to celebrating spring because yeah, I, I get allergies, you know. The pollen content has been insane. And, you know, I'm not one to sit in grass myself. So the indoor garden party was was the theme there with those little those little cute wraps. Where did you grow up? I grew up in the Midwest. I grew up just outside of Detroit in Michigan. And what did you grow up eating? What was what was the food like in Michigan? Uh, let's see. My grandmother has a southern background, so it was a lot of. I remember very fondly um, fried zucchini. 
that she would grow. She'd grow these humongous zucchinis in her garden and she'd fry them up into little chips that were just delightful. Ooh, I like a chip form rather than a spear form. Yeah. Oh, it was delicious. Yum. And um, my mother was, is, was a great cook. Is still a great cook. And um, I just have fond memories. She would make uh, peach cobblers. She would make, uh, oh, geez. I'm trying to think of like some of my favorite. She made, I would always request peach cobbler and these stuffed shells, pasta shells for my birthday because they were just so comforting. <laughs> what were they stuffed with? Cheese? They were stuffed with cheese and some, you know, marinara sauce. I'm trying to remember if she did ground turkey in them because I've adopted that, that recipe and kind of changed it myself. But yeah, it was, I just think of growing up with really comforting food. My, my grandfather's German. So, you know, there's a little bit of sprinkling of that in there too. So <laughs> it was all over the map. And were these, were the foods that you were eating growing up, were they like mostly home cooked meals or were you like a snacker? Yeah, it was mostly home cooked meals. I mean, we, I grew up with a very kind of strict, um, I don't want to say strict is a bad way. I mean, we were kind of like, there was no soda in the house. Uh, there was no sugar cereal. So yes, my mom, my mom was an excellent, was an excellent, um, you know, advocate of serving a nice, healthy meal. Um, that was also very comforting. I mean, we, when we moved to California, I was, um, almost, I was about a teenager at that time. And it was very interesting to see how our diets change because what's available here is so different than the Midwest. And I know now times have changed. This has been a while, but I mean, being exposed to things like, you know, baby spinach and the colored tomatoes, the different colored tomatoes. And it was very interesting to see. My mom really latched on to that freshness and our diets significantly changed when we came out here. Do you cook? I do. I do. I actually do quite a bit of recipe development. And did um, you grow up cooking? No. Well, we were involved in some capacity. Like we would do uh, Friday night would be usually the family night where we would all help cook and we would do, uh, we'd make homemade pizzas. And it started there. And then like with dough from scratch. Well, we had this uh, this Italian bakery that you could actually, I know now you can purchase fresh dough in in like Trader Joe's, but it was very, very novel at the time. And so you were able to pick up the fresh dough and the guy taught us how to, you know, spin it and get it rolled out. Oh, and then nice. um, he had his own uh, sauces and fresh cheese that you could get as well. But I think that we actually made our own. Um, and it was always just this family fun time where um, everyone made their own pizza. And it was it was always a good time. I mean, talk about simple pleasures. You know, I'm from the Midwest, so I'm, I'm easily entertained. Well, I'm, I, I'm entertained right now listening to you talking about this pizza <laughs> party. What, was, what would be some of your toppings? You know, they were pretty basic at the time. And this this tradition has uh, become quite the thing with my husband and myself. And our our pizzas of today are nothing like the pizzas of my teenage years. I mean, I think we were basically doing, you know, cheese, cheese and and marinara sauce at the time. And and now we're red and white. Yeah, you know, when you're a teenager, I guess my my taste hadn't quite developed yet until I got a little bit older. Now, now we do things like, you know, shishito pepper pizzas and and shredded zucchini and uh, manchego pizzas. So that's <laughs> a different. different. <laughs> <laughs> when would you say your taste started changing? I, I think when I started traveling, the more I traveled and got to experience other, other food and cultures. And um, I think also when I met my husband, I really had a purpose to kind of, I was, I really wanted to woo him. We were kind of wooing each other when we first met and you know, I really wanted to impress him that I knew how to cook. And I really didn't know how to cook that well. I knew how to cook for myself. But he challenged me because I would want to invite him over and have dinner parties. And from that, 
experience and his joy of cooking and eating my food as well, and also being the most excellent sous chef. Uh, you know, that's really, we've, we've really grown and developed in the kitchen together and with travel and just our favorite thing is to go out to restaurants. And if there's something, you know, I whip out my secretly my iPhone and making notes of like the, what I think the ingredients are, and then we'll go home and in a couple of weeks, try to recreate it ourselves. That's amazing. So give me some tips on cooking with your spouse, because that is something I have issues with. I'm like, I'm definitely someone who takes over and is like, no, no, just let me, just let me do it. Oh, why don't you just get out of here? Yeah. Like, that's me. I, I don't, I'd like to change that. So give me some tips. I'm like that sometimes. And it, we really have, uh, you know, my mother-in-law has actually mentioned when she's out here visiting that we have such a small kitchen that she just laughs because our routine is such a, she calls it a delicate dance because we never bump into each other. We're kind of reading each other's minds of, you know, what the next step is. Um, I think I'm just really lucky because he loves cooking, but he just, he finds it so relaxing. So we kind of break up our, our, um, our responsibilities. So I love to saute. I find sauteing at the end of the day, like give me a pan of garlic and onion and I will just sit there and zen out. It was just is magical to me. And he loves to chop. So it's like, we're the perfect combination. So he comes in and he does all the prep and then I cook. So we kind of delegate. Oh, that is nice. Yeah. So we delegate. So everyone kind of has their role. Everyone is not bumping into each other or on top of each other in our little space. Um, and I think, you know, if someone is expressing interest to help you, you know, delegate a task for them. When you guys are cooking together, are you looking through the recipe to begin with or when you're developing a recipe, are you talking through it with each yeah, other? We do. We, we do some like basic kind of go-to recipes during the week. And especially if I've spent an entire day, like sometimes I do these campaigns where um, I'm a I'm the holiday uh, entertaining specialist and expert for HGTV. So I do these huge holiday campaigns where I am like recipe developing 10, either 10 separate thematic recipes or one gigantic party with all, all the courses. And I have to tell you on those days, it's like, please order me a pizza. Please get me some takeout because I do not want to look at food. But we really do make an effort on the weekend, mostly on Sunday nights, because that's kind of the, the night that we like to be home in the early afternoon and, and have no plans and just kind of hang out. Um, we'll go through our collection of cookbooks and pick out something new and challenging to try. Um, and then, you know, that will be the entertainment for our Sunday afternoon is, is, is trying, to, <laughs> trying to make this recipe that we've never had before. When you, let's go back to you talking about developing these recipes because when you said that I was uh the ones uh for like different seasons and whatnot when you said that I was like are you planning Christmas like in July no so exciting yes in fact uh I'm not doing a Christmas campaign well I shouldn't say that yet because they always pop up but last year I did a big Christmas campaign for HGTV and it was specifically based on uh Christmas entertaining for the novice or for, you know, your first Christmas that you're entertaining. And so it was, it was, it was the appetizers. It was the cocktails. It was, um, we, we made it easy because you have to remember the demographic for that. You can't do something overly complex if it's truly someone's first Christmas. We did like a one pan, a one pot, big roast. Um, but it, it was, it was the end. No, this one was in July. It was in July and it was the middle of a heat wave. I mean, I'm not even kidding you. It was 110 degrees that week, and I don't have air conditioning in my house. And I needed to do a more uh, lifestyle shoot. So I had invited a whole bunch of friends over, 
And God bless them because, you know, they're excited that I'm feeding them. But who wants to eat a huge roast when it's 100 degrees out? (laughs) And then on top of it, you know, I've decorated my entire uh, dining room. You know, I've got the garland. I've got the the Christmas tree up. I had gone all out and it was just so hard to mentally get into it. We're just laughing. And they they were such good sports. I mean, for some of the shots, they would literally, you know, they'd be in their shorts and their T-shirts because it's so blazing. And then, you know, they do a quick outfit change and throw on the Christmas sweater to, you know, to hold the roast for me or to hold the cocktail. I mean, they were such good sports. But yeah, I mean, you know, when you work in food styling, it is all smoke and mirrors. I mean, you're doing everything about three to six months in advance. Yeah. And you were saying also that by the end of the day, you said you didn't feel like eating no. those, those foods. So what, hap- what happens to those foods when, when you're all done with the day? My neighbors love me. I, I'm, just, I'm feeding the community. <laughs> Drive by with a Ziploc container and I will fill it for you. That is hilarious. Yeah, You're I'm a good neighbor to, to have. Yeah, and, and, and when I'm doing like baking projects, because I'm just like, get it out of the house. I, I'll, I'm very good. Like if I'm doing something, I'll take my like one cookie and then I'll put the two dozen, you know, that I had to use for the shoot in Ziploc bags and send it to work with my husband. So his, his coworkers are very pleased. And, oh, I and they love you. Oh, they're, they're pleased and they're very upset. They scold me when I see them that they've gained 10 pounds. <laughs> so <laughs> was that ever, was that ever an issue for you? Like in, even like in the beginning where you had maybe trouble saying no in terms of, food? in terms of the food of like the amount of food and just being around food all the time. Is that ever an issue for you? You know, it was when I first started out um, doing this food for full time gig type thing. Because I, I used to be not in the food industry at all. I was um, in advertising and entertainment, and I wrote for Refinery Twenty Nine on the side. I did all their LA food coverage, and that was probably the hardest for me because it was restaurant reviews, and there were times, and I was also photographing the dishes for them to use in the roundups. So it wasn't, you know, it sounds, everyone's like, oh, what, you get to go in out and eat for free. That's so great. And in reality, it was like the best 10 hot dogs in Los Angeles. And I have to hit five of those places in one day to shoot the photos and taste them all. And at the end of it, you're like, I never want to see a hot dog again. <laughs> so, I mean, there were literally days where I was hitting so many restaurants in a day that I'd come home and literally I'd look at my husband and be like, here are the leftovers. I'm having a handful of kale. And that's it. Cause I'm like, you almost become food phobic because it's just, it's forced on you. And then you have to be polite. And of course the chef always wants you to try something else, even though you're only there for one dish. And it just, it was literally nauseating. Yeah. No, I hear you. I have that similar issue and people are always like, seriously? Yeah. Are you seriously complaining about this? But I, I always say you like picture it. It's like Thanksgiving every week. Mm-hmm. And you don't want to have Thanksgiving every week or else Thanksgiving isn't fun anymore. It's like how you feel at the end of the holiday season where you're just yeah. like, give me a vegetable, please. Yeah. And I think after working with it so often and, and depending on how many times everyone's different. I mean, when you do recipe development, you usually are cooking the dish a couple times to make sure it's accurate. Um, those are the times you really don't want to eat it because you're just like, I, I cannot see this one more time. <laughs> right. And I'm sure that you're, you're, palette is sort of like, I don't know, I, I, is, is this different than the other two ones that I yeah. made? I, I'm not sure. I don't know. I don't know. And I don't want to ever see a roast again. No, you're like, yeah, it's, you know, it's just, it's a check and balance. It's, you know, make sure your diet is varied. I, 
you know, I just came from a, a big food uh, event in Vegas this weekend. I was out there with Bon Appetit um, for their uncorked event. And, you know, you've got all these booths with all these amazing chefs. And, you know, I've just gotten to the point where it's so overwhelming that you just kind of have to learn to graze. Mm-hmm. Um, I'll just have a couple bites of some things and just, you know, make my notes. But um, yeah, it is an overwhelming industry that you you have to take care of yourself. And I actually read an interview with Gail Simmons once that really hit home for me that I'm still trying to um, take to heart a little bit more, more day to day. But um, she said that it was in just it was like, here, here, my my career is to eat food and be in this food. And I have a responsibility as you know, the homemaker or the, the, the breadwinner, you know, this is my job. And I'm responsible for my family. And in that responsibility, I have to be as healthy I can be to be there for them. So she's like, even though I don't want to, I wake up every morning at 6am and I work my butt off in the gym to keep healthy, to keep my cholesterol down because I have a responsibility, even though this is my job to stay fit. Yeah, that's interesting. And I thought that was actually really, really interesting because if you aren't careful, I mean, think about it. If you're going out and eating at restaurants a couple times a week for your job, that's a lot of salt. That's a lot of fat. That's, you know, your cholesterol is going through the roof. So you really do have to take care of yourself. Do you work out? I need to start more. I mean, it, this is kind of my season. I really enjoy, um, I do this uh, water aerobics class. I like the sounds of this. <laughs> Continue. <laughs> yes. And I mean, you kind of have to trick me to work out type of thing. Like, I don't like just to go to the gym. Like, someone has to be chasing me for me to run kind of thing. Like, I just don't like working out. But there is this outdoor pool um, in Pasadena that I go to. And it's me and all the white haired biddies. Oh, yes. You know, and... It is amazing because they are just there to gossip. They are not working out. And it's actually done in the deep dive well. It's 15 feet deep. So you're actually treading water the whole time. Which is exhausting. It's exhausting. It's like water polo plus. Then they make you like, I, I, I will just say run laps because you're actually kind of running through the water. But you wear this you wear this flotation device that doesn't really hold you up that much. But it keeps you afloat enough that you can do this this workout. But your feet are never touching the ground, and that is my favorite. And it's about that time of year where I'm ready to start doing that a couple times a week, which gets you fit quick. I bet that I like the sound of that, and I bet you meet some very interesting people. You do, you do. I mean, the gossip that's happening in the um, you know the sixty seventy set of Pasadena is you know quite thrilling. <laughs> <laughs> when I when I think about um, eat uh, when I think about swimming, I think immediately about, about how hungry I get after I swim. Yes. And when I was younger, it used to be like, you know, French bread uh, pizzas. Oh, like, yeah. Things like that, that I would just wolf down when I got back from the pool. Uh, are there certain foods that you crave after you're swimming? I will never say no to a taco. I love tacos. Yeah. I, I'm, I'm like such a stereotypical Californian. Like, I just love them. I'm, yeah, tacos or, um, I'm pretty easy. I, I'm trying to think. Can you tell it has been a while since I've worked out that hard? <laughs> You're like, <laughs> when's the last time I had that taco after? Oh, this is going to be a hard first time when I get back there's, in that pool. There's something about that chlorine that just like awakes uh, yeah. the senses. Yeah, yeah you, you could go for a good swirl cone after that, I'm sure. <laughs> <laughs> yes, exactly. At the Good Humor ice cream bars were yeah. my jam. Yeah. Um, what kind of tacos do you, do you like to make them at home or are you going out to eat a taco? Both. I like I like making them and I like I like getting them. I love a street taco. I love finding um, you know the little taco trucks and, and going on a little taco tour. Um, we've got 
you know, we've got no shortage of those in Los Angeles. So, um, but I do love, I love making my own. I love grilling up, um, some, some like chicken for a taco. And then I make, make, I shred it up or I do, I love roasting chicken and then shredding it up and putting it in like an adobo sauce. Mm. Um, and I also love doing a quick sear on a piece of ahi and doing a fish taco like that. I do like a fish taco and believe it or not, even living in Los Angeles, I have yet to have a like a I've had a grilled fish taco, but I'm talking about like the fried. Oh, like a true like yeah, battered. I haven't had that yet, but just because I'm married to a vegetarian and all the places where you know they're known for that, he's sort of like, well, there's nothing for me, so why yeah. bother? So we yeah. end up going to places that have options for him. But um, what are some of your favorite taco places? Just off oh, the top of your head, let's see. I love Goya's. Uh, who is an excellent chef. He's actually, I believe he's opening a brick and mortar um, near downtown or Chinatown this year. But you can find him often uh, in the arts district downtown uh, outside of Blue Bottle Coffee. And then on certain tasting nights outside of Silver Lake Wine, they pull the truck up. And he just does some amazing things. He has this tostada that um, has uh, ahi and uni on it. And it is to die for fancy yeah he does some fancy things but they're really like legit like his sauces and his recipes are coming from the heart he's you know he's, i think he's i think he's from mexico um <clears throat> i'm apologies if i i'm not remembering correctly to you sir um but he does he has this one breakfast taco that has a duck egg i mean like it is like if you get a taco there you're like whoa <laughs> that's but that's on the nicer side i mean like if you go into like highland park or some other areas you can find some really great uh, taco trucks or Marisco's trucks. So be adventurous. Is there anything else you're obsessed with as much as tacos? Mm, what do I love? Rosé. I love a glass of rosé. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. It, the joke was uh, when I was in New York last year, everyone was calling it summer water, which I thought was hysterical. And now actually someone has literally bottled it and it's called summer water. Oh, man. Now I'm like, oh, man. <laughs> No, I mean, I'm really an equal opportunity eater. I love everything. I love living in Los Angeles because there's such a variety of food. I mean, you can have Thai food. You can have um, you can have your Mexican cuisine. You can have, I mean, it's across the map. And we're just so lucky. Are there any foods you don't eat or won't eat or maybe are allergic to? Or No, well, it's weird. I, I recently have like an adult onset allergy to ginger. Oh, no. Which is ironic because that's the name of my my seven month old puppy. Oh. But <laughs> oh man, no, it's weird. I can eat the fresh ginger, but if it's turned into like a compote or a syrup, it makes my tongue go numb. So that's kind of been an interesting thing because I've never had any food issues. I, I'm I eat everything. I I don't eat a lot of red meat just because I'm trying to stay healthy, but I won't turn anything down if I'm going to try it at least once. Talk to me about your puppy. I just suddenly was like, puppy? Yes. I can't believe I I'm actually have – I have given her one of those um, food puzzles. They have to bat the, the puzzle to get the food to – Oh, dis- yeah. Buster fu- food cube. Yeah. yeah. So she's got one of those right now. I cannot believe she's not crying at the door because I am literally locked in my studio right now with hopes that you don't hear her – her crying because we're going through an interesting week right now because she just had her spay surgery. So she's got the cone on. She's, oh, she's very needy. So, but she's adorable. She's a um, soft coated Wheaton. So they're just, they're just lovely, lovely dogs. Wow. And you have another, an actual human child. Don't you? No, no, I don't. No, you don't. 
No children yet. We're hoping soon. Okay. I thought for some reason I thought you had a kid for some reason. I guess well, not. You would know better than me. No, no, no actual children yet. We 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 are hoping and praying soon to have a, a, a human family as well. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> so so far, do you ever feed? Are you like really strict with your dog, like making sure not to give her? any yes. human foods yes we 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 actually you know my mother was was laughing at first she's like you guys have way too many expectations for this tiny because we got her when she was about eight weeks old and once she was old enough to start puppy training which is at 10 weeks you know we started doing an eight-week course to get her trained and which is great because it really helps harness that puppy energy that can sometimes be out of control and just i mean crazy yeah so we did like a very legit a training program and socialization program, which was I highly recommend for to any new puppy owners. Yeah, do uh, you have the, the name of the place that you recommended in in Los Angeles? Yeah, I used Karma Dog School, and specifically the trainer Samantha Sam is fantastic, and they do these group classes so your puppies are socialized not only with other dogs but other types of people. Um, which is great because once they're old enough to take them on walks in the world, then they're kind of prepared and not going all nuts. Yeah, <laughs> which we still are trying to get her. She she loves everyone. We call her the mayor because she gets up on two legs and kind of paws at the air to meet people. Oh, my God. We're like, we're like when you're 35 pounds, people aren't going to want you to do this. So it's cute now. But no, but we're really strict with her diet just in terms of not wanting her to be a food beggar. But interestingly enough, we've discovered she had some health problems and we discovered that she's allergic to chicken. Oh, no. Her, yeah, my a, dog was allergic to chicken initially, too. I, we had no idea. She had all these skin allergies. We thought maybe it was the pollen. We thought we couldn't figure it out. And then just coincidentally, you know, she was the, the vet asked us to put on a really bland diet and it was literally boiled chicken and rice. And she had such a violent reaction to it that we had to hospitalize her. Oh, no. And um, from that, which, you know, we're, we're so thankful we found that out because we were feeding her this really high-grade poultry blend that was, you know, Abe rating, every, so, such good food for your dog. And now, and it was interesting because she never really was a food hound. And now that we've switched her diet, she's strictly on a rabbit potato diet. <laughs> <laughs> she is, like, so obsessed with this food. It's like you cannot feed her enough. And we're like, this is kind of a problem. <laughs> <laughs> I am so happy whenever my dog is like ravenous and really into his food, because then it's like, I know he's himself. There was like a yeah. period of time where he wasn't eating as much as he used to. And he's an old guy now. He's almost, Aww. he just turned 12. Um, and, uh, and when that happened, we were like, who is this dog? <laughs> who doesn't, isn't excited to eat right now. He's excited yeah. to eat again. So we're happy, but it Yeah. God, their, their appetite really is is uh, reflective of how they're feeling, and it's it's interesting now because we, even though she is only you know three or four days out of this surgery, we're we're you know you're supposed to keep them very calm and still for two weeks while they recover. And we're like, oh no, she's got way too much energy. <laughs> well, Kristen, this was so much fun. Where, where can people find you? People can find me at dyingbydesign.com. It's dyingxdesign.com. You can find me on Instagram and all the social channels at the same handle. Thanks so much for doing this. Thank you for having me. A treat. Enjoy your day with Ginger. Oh, yes. We're gonna, it's going to be interesting. It's a studio day, so we'll see how much work we can get done. <laughs> Thank you. Okay.